Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada, and I am your host. And I have been doing a series on Common Grace, as you probably know. Um, But I'm going to take a little bit of a detour in this episode and talk about biblical sexual ethics or biblical sexuality uh, in light of the recent bill that was passed in Canada, Bill C-4. Maybe you've heard of this bill. Um, This bill basically criminalizes what is called conversion therapy. I'm going to, I'll actually read the bill to you. I'm going to read a summary of the bill, uh, the preamble, and and then I'll I'll read uh, what the Canadian government defines as conversion therapy. But nonetheless, just as a quick kind of summary of what this bill is, basically uh, what this bill will do to Christians is it will criminalize, it will make it illegal to to preach or to say that homosexuality is a sin and you need to repent of such sin and and kill such sin, you know, in your own life in order to be a Christian. And so essentially what this bill does is makes that illegal. And therefore then, if you want to think about it this way, it makes preaching the gospel illegal because the gospel necessitates that you call someone to repentance. And and so if you are preaching the gospel, I guess it's I guess you could say it's it's making the preaching of the gospel to somebody who practices homosexuality illegal or somebody who is transgender and makes preaching the gospel to them illegal because you need to call such a person to repentance. That is the heart of the gospel. That is that is that is essential to the gospel message. Without repentance, you don't have a gospel. So Canada uh, are I mean they're they're f- further gone than than America, usually just the way in which this, these things work, um, a cultural drift, I could you could say uh, Europe goes first, then Canada, then America. So we're not too far behind in our criminalization of <laughs> biblical Christianity, which is kind of gnarly. Um, but so in light of this this bill, I want I want us to think again, I guess about, biblical sexuality, something that for most of church history wasn't even really a conversation to be had. Um, There really wasn't much discussion on it, nor controversy. Uh, But for some reason today, Satan has deceived the masses, and we live in a time and in a place here in America, at least, or in the West, where people are so flat out confused and deceived self-deceived even on basic bible and basic science um science is pretty clear that a man is a man and a woman is a woman i mean you you look at individual cells and each individual cell has, you know, DNA, a, a set of chromosomes. We call that your karyotype. And one of these sets of chromosomes determines if you're a male or female. It's just 
black and white. You have 23 pairs of chromosomes, so making 46 total, you get 23 from your mom, 23 from your dad. And you get uh, uh, a sex chromosome, you could say, from each one. If you get um, two X's, two X chromosomes, you are female. If you get an X and a Y, you are male. Now, I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty or the, the, the hairiness of, well, some people have, you know, XYY or XXY, and you have these genetic mutations or something gets messed up where they get more um, chromosomes. And uh, But nonetheless, if you have a Y chromosome, whether one, whether two, you are, by definition, a male. If you have two X's and, and that somehow amplifies some more female characteristics in you, let's say, uh, if you have a Y, you're still a male. So e either way, it's still black and white down in the genetic level. And yet, for some reason, our society wants to confuse that. And ironically, you know, we live in and primarily now kind of a godless society, uh, an atheistic society, a secular society, uh, a naturalistic society. Uh, people want to try to deny the supernatural, deny that God exists, uh, or at least be agnostic about it. Uh, and yet there's this odd thing that's going on in the transgender ideology that relies on really uh, an assumption that something immaterial or transcendent uh, or or um, supernatural or spiritual exists or is a part of your being. The idea that, oh, I'm a, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. My gender is woman, but my body is male. That that doesn't work in a purely materialistic, naturalistic world or worldview. That doesn't work. That doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? All that you are is your biology. All that you are is is what makes you up physically, if that's what you believe. And so there is no way that you are somehow this, this woman, spiritually, you know, whatever you want to talk, immaterially, what are you, what, like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. And so the transgender ideology has to borrow from the Christian worldview to even make sense of this, this uh, reality that you're both a body and a spirit. You have a soul and, and you have a physical body. Um, yet God is the maker of both. God determines your, your physical body and determines your soul, and he doesn't confuse the two. He doesn't make your soul, woman, and your body male. No, he makes you male. And you have a male soul and a male body. And that's, that's it. Now, all that to say, uh, let's, let's, let's look at this, um, this bill, this Bill C-4. It was uh, passed in Parliament, Canadian Parliament, Parliament on December 8th, and then a month later it was made law. So it's been law now for you know roughly three weeks in Canada. And I haven't heard of anything. I really haven't been keeping up with the news 
at least the Canadian news at all. <laughs> so I, I haven't heard if anybody's actually been arrested or if this has been actually um, um, enacted by law enforcement. But nonetheless, it's law. So let's let's take a read of this. And you can just Google this. You can just find this. Um, Bill C4. Just Google Bill C4. I'm pretty sure it's the first web web page that pops up. Um, okay, so summary. Summary of the bill. This enactment amends the criminal code to, among other things, create the following offenses. A. Causing another person to undergo conversion therapy. Now, again, I, like I said, I, we're going to go down and we're going to read their definition of that. That's going to be helpful, but nonetheless... Let's just start with the summary. B, doing anything for the purpose of removing a child from Canada with the intention that the child undergo conversion therapy outside Canada. C, promoting or advertising conversion therapy. And D, receiving a financial or other material benefit from the provision of conversion therapy. It also amends the criminal code to authorize courts to order that advertisements for conversion therapy be disposed or deleted. Okay. Let's read the preamble. This is really interesting and really um, illuminating to the worldview and the presuppositions and the ideology that is obviously guiding the lawmakers in Canada. It says, Whereas conversion therapy causes harm to the persons who are subjected to it, Whereas conversion therapy causes harm to society because, among other things, it is based on and propagates myths and stereotypes about sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression, including the myth that heterosexuality, cisgender, cisgender gender identity, and gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over the sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions. And whereas, in light of those harms, it is important to discourage and denounce the provision of conversion therapy in order to protect the human dignity and equality of all Canadians. Now, therefore, Her Majesty, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate and the House of Commons of Canada, enacts as follows. And then it goes into the actual bill. Now, let's think about this preamble. It's really quite crazy. Uh, let's define some terms quick. So, heterosexuality, we know that one. Obviously, that's somebody who is um, attracted to, sexually attracted to, the opposite sex. Cisgender, gender identity, that is somebody who is... Uh, who whose gender is that of um, their biological sex. So, again, that's a... Cisgender was never a thing before the invention by man recently that you could have a gender of anything other than your biological sex. So cisgender just basically says you are the gender that you were born. So if I was born a male, then my gender is male. I'm cisgendered. That is compared to transgender, where you are a different gender or a gender other than which, or the sex that you were assigned 
at birth. And that is, you know, your typical example. I would let's say I was born a man. Now my gender is woman or whatever. Um, so that's a definition of cisgender. Now, again, this, this preamble presupposes and assumes that such diversity of genders actually exists, that there is such a thing as a gender other than what your sex is, male or female. And it's assuming that, um, or it's saying that, the idea that heterosexuality or being cisgender, uh, the idea that that is somehow superior or better than all the other genders, that is a myth and that is harmful um, and basically a lie, as it says. Whereas conversion therapy causes harm to society because, among other things, it is based on and propagates myths and stereotypes about sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression, including the myth that heterosexuality, cisgender gender identity, and gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over other sexual orientations. Now, where do they, where do they ground that in? That's the question. Where do they come up with that, that idea? Where do they get the authority to say th that for most of human history, everybody's wrong? That for literally almost all of human history, the way in which people viewed sexuality was, was just wrong and they were blinded by myths. And they're also saying in this preamble, by extension, I guess you could say, implying that what the Bible says is, one, wrong, and two, the, what the Bible teaches is, is is myth it's not actually real it's just myth that's what this is saying this is a full-out attack against christianity in canada and so again let's think about biblical sexuality here here a little bit um genesis 1 i mean that's where we go because that's where we see god's creation of man and woman you know Genesis 1 26 then God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them okay general creation of man and woman um, in Genesis 1. Genesis 2, zoom in of the creation of man and woman. Uh, let's see here. Verse 5, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no plant, small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. And the mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Now in the Hebrew, this is really interesting. 
the word man that we translate as man is Adam. Obviously, that's where we kind of get the name Adam from. Adam. And Adam is made from the Adama ground. There's a word play there. The Adam comes from the Adama. That's really interesting. And so his name is is connected to his his um, origin from the ground. He is from the ground, and so he's named in accordance with that. Very interesting. Now, I think I talked about this, Dan, and I talked about in more in depth probably than I'm going to go in in this episode. Genesis two and the creation of man and woman in our in our series on man and woman. So go back and listen to that episode on Genesis one through three. Um, but nonetheless, man is made from the ground. And then we're going to jump down to verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Adam. I will make him a helper fit for him. This is an an interesting phrase. Helper fit for him. Ezer Kignegdo, I think is how you pronounce it in the Hebrew. Ezer Kignegdo. Ezer Helper, connecto, fit for him. Um, it's a, uh, you know, we we translate it as three words in English, but in in Hebrew, it's just one word with a prefix and a suffix, um, and you can literally translate it translate it as according to the opposite of him, according to the opposite of him. I will make him a helper according to the opposite of him. Right there you start to see this complementarity coming out. Uh, the woman is going to be opposite from the man. There's going to be, uh, you can already you know, start to kind of think, well, okay, there's going to be this, this fitness where they, they can fit together. They're, they complement each other. And obviously biologically we know how that works. Um, more than just biologically, though, the helper fit for him, according to the opposite of him, in role, in in emotion, um, in in all of that. There's this. She has these traits and these qualities that are that are not like him, so that they can work together and do things better than if there was only one of them. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field. Now, this is interesting. Out of the Adama. Just like Adam was made from the Adama, so are all the beasts of the field and every bird of the heavens. They were also made out of the Adama, and they were brought, and God brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So God says, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make him a helper fit for him. And then we go into this kind of, it seems unrelated, oh, God's talking about how he made all the animals and then he brought all the animals to Adam to name. Why did he do that? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 20, then the, man, then the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, and while he, while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man then the man said 
This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. In Hebrew, isha, because she was taken out of ish. Again, another wordplay. She was she was made from ish, and so she's called isha. Adam was taken from Adama, and he was called Adam. See that isn't that interesting? Named according to where they were formed from. Very cool. Now, this is what's interesting, and I'll start to kind of tie this into sexual ethics here and sex, biblical sexuality. Um. Okay. God made the declaration that it's not good that man is alone. And he says, I'm going to make him a helper fit for him. And then he proceeds to parade these animals who are also made from the ground in front of Adam. And he sees all these animals, all these animals. And he, he's naming them, which means he's probably considering them. He's, and he's considering what they look like and, and probably how they move and how they eat food and do they climb trees or do they, you know, whatever. And so he's probably considering them and being thoughtful on how he names them. And at the end of this process, he realizes that I don't have a connection with any of these animals. And he... And in him, then, I guess you could say, has created a feeling of loneliness. He feels lonely. He didn't go to God and say, God, I feel lonely. Make me a helper. No, God said, we could assume um, privately, just among himself, the Trinity, God said it's not good that man is alone. He didn't tell Adam that. We, at least we don't get that from the text. And then he, he proceeds to make Adam recognize his loneliness. And how he does that is by bringing all these animals in front of him and Adam realizes none of these animals is like me. None of them will 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 be my helper. Could be my helper. Now I'm going to go a little bit further and I'm going to say because they were all made from the ground. Adam needs a helper according to the opposite of him. Not another ground thing. Somebody who shared his um, his very essence of being an image bearer on the same level of it, uh, as him in that term, in those terms, in, in ontology, but also somebody who could complement him according to the opposite of him. So what does God do? He makes woman from man, not from the ground like the animals. He makes, he makes woman from him. And he obviously makes her as an opposite of him. As someone fit for him. Not totally like him. Not the exact same thing. Not externally the same and internally has, you know, female reproductive organs. That would be weird. But no. Opposite. Her parts go in, his parts go out. Get it? Her body's curvy, his body's blocky. She has long hair, I would assume he has short hair. 1 Corinthians 11. So, in the beginning, well, let's let's go further. So, Adam says, this at last. So, obviously, that, that shows us that he had a feeling of loneliness. There's this expectation. He sees her. Finally, finally, there, there, there she is. There's my helper. None of these animals could fulfill this, this longing in me. 
Verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and, the, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So what was once one was made into two and brought back and made one again through sex, through the sexual act. And, and only that which was once one can come back together and be one again and have it be right and holy and good. And this means that the homosexual act is as Leviticus 18 and 20 says, is an abomination. It's an abomination. As Paul says in Romans 1, it's unnatural. It's not according to nature. And as I want to say here, it's as though Adam is having sex. Yeah, it's as though Adam is having sex with an animal. Another ground, another being from the ground, a creature from the ground, not a creature from himself. And bestiality, having sex with animals, is also a, 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 a wicked, wicked act. And so is homosexuality. It's unnatural. It's not according to God's design. God made a woman for the man, and he made her to complement the man, and he made her biology to complement the man, and her, her emotions to complement the man. And when they come together as one flesh and they have sex, it creates life they procreate, they become fruitful, and they multiply. If God made another man, th the human race would have died there. You must understand this. Homosexuality is a wicked, wicked sin. Now, that does not mean that it is a sin that is unredeemable by Christ. No, Christ can save the man or woman who has committed homosexual acts and behaviors. He can cover that sin with his blood. But if you're going to receive eternal life, like anybody who receives eternal life, you have to repent of your sin and forsake it and die to your old self and pick up your cross. Now, transgenderism, I already kind of talked about it, but we get no idea, idea of this in Scripture, really. It's, it's really foreign to Scripture. What are you talking about? Somebody, um, you know, a man trapped in a woman's body, a woman trapped in a, a man's body. You don't get any idea of a diversity of genders. That's all, that's all just inventions of man. If I, if I feel like, let's just flip the narrative a little bit. Let's just say I identify as a black man. And therefore then I, I, I am a... I'm a victim of systemic racism, you know, as the society wants to say. And I'm a victim of the white man, and I have less, you know, whatever the society wants to say, whatever critical race theory is, is promoting. That's a bunch of hogwash, and that wouldn't fly in today's society. Because I'm not black, I'm white. It's a matter of, of genes. I have white skin. And I am the descendant of white-skinned people. I'm the descendant of Italians and S S Swedes and uh, Polacks and Germans. And I can't just decide that I feel like anything other than what I actually am. Or I, you know, I feel like a Chinese guy today. Well, that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? You feel like a Chinese guy. You're not. I'm not a Chinese guy. And that's really quite offensive to Chinese people who are actually Chinese and are descendants of Chinese people. Give me a break. 
And so, again, that's why there's a little bit of a, a fight going on in the whole LGBTQ world because you have the, the true feminists, you know, and then you have these men who are saying, well, I'm a woman too, and so I, I, I you know, I'm oppressed and blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, you're not. You're a man, and now you're pretending to be a woman, and you're stealing all the glory from the women. What is, it's just ridiculous. You're not a woman. You're a man. So, all that to say, Canada is royally confused, royally deceived, and promoting and putting into law wicked, wicked, wicked laws. Wicked rules. Wicked. And it's a direct assault and attack on Christianity and the gospel. Um, now let's uh, let's go back to this Bill C four here and think about how they define conversion therapy. Um, let's see here. I gotta find conversion therapy. Here we go. Definition of conversion therapy: A. Change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual. Again, what? How do you do that? Again, as a Christian, I go, wait a minute now. Okay, I haven't, I haven't explained this yet. This is, this is the, really the crux of the issue. We live in a day when homosexuality is no longer considered a behavior or an act. It's considered an identity. If you're a homosexual, you are. You, you are you are gay as an identity. It's who you are at your at your most basic being. And so when when a Christian says, "Well, homosexuality is a sin," basically what they hear is that I'm not a human being. I'm not actually a person because my identity as a person is inextricably tied to my gayness. And therefore, if you say that my gayness is, is sinful and wicked, then you're saying that, that I'm, I'm less than human. And that's how they perceive what Christians are saying. That doesn't mean that we don't say it because it's Bible. It's true. And we're, we're about, you know, honoring God, not honoring man. We're not trying to seek man's approval. We're trying to seek God's approval. God is our judge. But nonetheless, that's what we're dealing with. So, to us, to a, to a Bible-believing Christian, I want to go, you know, no, there is no such thing as uh, having an identity, anything other than heterosexual. And again, heterosexual, like, we don't even really have to, again, that, that, that is a word that really comes into being, I guess you could say, um, as soon as you have the act of homosexuality, heterosexual, a man who has, a, has sex with a woman, a woman who has sex with a man, homosexual, a man who has sex with a man or a woman who has sex with a woman. It's, 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 it's defining an act, a behavior. It was never an identity. So change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual. Like, what happens if a, a of a homosexual man who identifies who in his identity or his sexual orientation is a homosexual or a gay or gay? Let's say he has sex with a woman, 
a heterosexual act, does that change his sexual orientation from homosexual to heterosexual? No, not according to the world or Canada. He has liberty to apparently do whatever he wants to do. His identity is is homosexual. Now, again, that's just how do you define that other than by behavior? By attraction? Well, what is what happens if his attractions change? Now, again, how would somebody in Canada actually change somebody's sexual orientation to heterosexual if they're homosexual? I don't know. I don't know how you would do that in their eyes. I know how you would do that truly if they're identify as a homosexuality. Again, living a delusion. You change it by preaching the gospel to them and the Holy Spirit coming and convicting them of their sin and giving them a new nature and a new heart. And that would change them. And that is then, therefore, a criminal act in Canada. B, change a person's gender identity to cisgender. So there's the transgender thing. A transgender to somehow make them reaffirm that no actually I'm I'm a man and I've always been a man I just realized that now even though I was confused when I was apparently transgender C change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth D repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior that's crazy Repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior. Just, just, just flip, flip the words, flip the sin. Imagine if it read, repress or reduce murderous acts or behaviors. Mur- okay, let's say murderous desires or behaviors. What if it read, repress or reduce racist desires or behaviors? What if it said that? I think the Canadian government would have a problem with that. But that's basically what it's saying. No, 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 no. Non-heterosexual attraction and sexual behavior is an abomination. It's a sin. It's wicked. And those who practice it and do not repent of it will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if you're a Christian and you are being tempted this way, You are called by God to put to death those desires. You are called to repress and reduce those desires and to not do them. That's sanctification. That's what you're called to do as a Christian. And the preacher of God's word, the pastor, is called to preach and exhort and urge his congregation to reduce and repress their sinful desires. That's what we're called to do. Crazy. Crazy. E, repress a person's non-cisgender gender identity. Same thing, just in the transgender area. F, repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to that sex assigned to the person at birth. Crazy stuff. There's more definitions. Um, everyone who knowingly causes another person to undergo conversion therapy, including by providing conversion therapy to that other person is... 
a guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than five years or be guilty of an offense punishable or on summary conviction. So promoting or advertising, everyone who normally promotes or advertises conversion therapy is, and I would, I would imagine that that would involve or, or include what I'm doing right now as a podcast. So if I was doing this podcast in Canada, you know, it can be listened to in Canada, but I'm not a Canadian citizen, so they can't, they can't, uh, they could probably restrict this podcast in Canada, but they, they can't come and arrest me. But if I was in Canada, I would assume that doing a podcast like this would, would fall underneath that. Um, so yeah, everyone who normally promotes or advertises conversion therapy is a guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of no more than two years or be guilty of a, of an offense punishable on summary conviction. So, apparently what I'm doing right now, I think as far as I can interpret their law, is illegal if I was a Canadian citizen. And America's not too far away. Now, I don't think that America will go this far. Um, and it's really wild. The Apparently, the, the Canadian Congress, Parliament, whatever you want to call it, um, they uh they have a i'm pretty sure they have a like a conservative and and liberal you know liberal parties um but apparently it was a unanimous vote to pass this bill even among the conservatives in Canada that just shows where they're at and we have plenty of conservatives that um would certainly vote against this in America at this point let's hope that continues but nonetheless we got to realize again biblical sexual ethics biblical sexuality homosexuality biblically speaking is is a behavior is a sinful behavior it's not an identity it never was never is never can be and if you think it's an identity you are living in a delusion or a lie it's like thinking that you're a dog or a fish you're not actually a dog or a fish you're you're lying to yourself and you're confused and what we would call that is mentally ill uh, or something like that. That's what we would call that. So this whole promotion of this, you know, these different gender identities is promoting um, mental illness, is promoting uh, just a, a destructive ideology that destroys um, destroys humanity. And this is... Uh, this is this is concerning stuff. So what do you do? Application, what do you do as a Canadian Christian? Well, obviously, you disobey this law, this bill. It doesn't mean that you need to go out in the streets and, you know, start unnecessarily preaching that homosexuality is a sin. But it does mean that if you're in a situation where you're sharing the gospel with somebody who practices the sinful behavior of homosexual sex or has homosexual desires, you need to call them to repent of that sin. And when preachers in their pulpits are preaching through a text of scripture that talks about homosexuality or sex or marriage, 
that they need to continue to preach a biblical, robust biblical sexual ethic and not worry about what the government has said or done. And this is what we've been called to. We've been called to suffer for the sake of Christ. This is a part of it. And we have plenty of examples in Scripture where, where we resist such wicked laws. Think of Pharaoh and these Hebrew midwives in Exodus 1. Pharaoh commands the, these midwives to put to death any uh, Hebrew baby who's uh, born as a, as a boy, um, put to death these baby boys, and they, they disobey, and they, and they do not put them to death. And then they lie to Pharaoh that, oh, yeah, the, the, the Hebrew women, they gave birth before we even got to them, and, and, and God blesses them and gives them families of their own. They did not obey Pharaoh. Why did they not obey Pharaoh according to Exodus 1? Because they feared God. If they feared man, they would have obeyed Pharaoh, and they would have murdered people, murdered babies. If, they, if you fear God, you do not obey man's wicked decrees. You obey God and his decrees, and you, you obey who you fear. So again, if you fear man, if you're, if you're a Canadian and you fear man, you're probably going to, going to obey this, this, this law but if you obey God or if you fear God, you will, you will disobey this and you will obey God instead. And we have to realize this in America too because there's, there's obviously um, – we are – America is certainly um, broadly speaking pro-LGBTQ. Um, but we as Christians know that there is only one hope in this world and it's in Christ. And whether you are a homosexual, and I'm, what I mean by that is not somebody who has an identity of a homosexual, but somebody who practices the sin. And if you're a transgender person, and I don't mean somebody who has an identity as a transgender person, but somebody who thinks and is deceived that they're something that they're not. That's what I mean by that. There's hope in Christ. We're all sinners, and we all have sin that would result in an eternity of wrath being poured out on us in hell. And the only hope for any sinner, whether you're a murderer, whether you're a liar, whether you're an adulterer, whether you dishonor your parents, whether you know whatever it might be, and whether you are uh, sexually immoral or a homosexual, whatever, there's only one hope for the sinner, and that is to repent of their sin and trust in Christ for salvation unto eternal life. That is the only hope. So we can't be afraid of these, these bills that will probably continue to be passed and crazy laws that will continue to be put into place in, these, in countries around the world. Can't be afraid. Just got to keep preaching the gospel. Um, but yeah, stay, stay rooted. Don't worry about man or the threats of man. And don't put up with this. And what I mean by this is you don't have to like, you don't have to kill, you know, people today, they, uh, Christians today, they want to like, they want to give all these uh, qualifications before they say what the Bible says. So 
you know, if somebody asks him, well, what do you, what do you think about homosexuality? And instead of saying, well, I believe that homosexuality is a sinful behavior and that if you're going to become a Christian and receive eternal life, you have to repent of it. Instead of just saying that, they say, well, um, well, I have, you know, I have a lot of family members who, who are, who are homosexuals and, and I love them and they're great and they're such nice people. And so, um, but you know, uh, and, and all these qualifications, like just answer the question. And do it with gentleness and respect, no doubt, in a in a respectful tone. But it doesn't mean that, you know, you don't just say the hard truth. But nonetheless, that is what I have for this episode. Now, moving forward, I, I would like to get back into uh, common grace and, like I said before, talk more specifically about the role of government in... Uh, restraining sin. Um, but I don't know how long it's going to take me to get an episode out. I've, again, have kind of, I'm back into the midst of uh, my last semester for seminary. Um, graduating, set to graduate in the beginning of May um, with my MDiv, which is exciting. But I did apply for PhD studies at Midwestern and I got accepted into their pre PhD program, um, but I also applied further to what's called the the residency program at at Midwestern. So all their PhD degrees are modular, which means you you stay living where you live. I'd stay in Fargo, and then once a term, I would travel down to Kansas City for a week long seminar. But for the majority of my degree, I would be doing my work, my coursework, and and my dissertation writing, and all and all my research wherever I live. And and that's the, the, the normal way in which you do a PhD at Midwestern. But they have a special track called the residency where you do your, your PhD residentially on campus and you get to work side by side with professors and um, you just get a really unique immersive experience. You get to learn the ins and outs of, of teaching um, in a seminary and and it's just you just get access to scholars face to face, which is really great. And so I applied to that, and that's a further um, acceptance beyond just the regular PhD. So I'm yet to hear back on that. I have to do an interview here. So that's just a little bit of an update on my life. I might be moving to Kansas City if I get into that, which is crazy because I've only ever lived in two places where I grew up in Perm, Minnesota, and then an hour and 10 minutes west in Fargo, where I am right now. So so not, nonetheless, I'm, I'm busy doing a lot of preaching in churches around the area. And I don't know when I will get that next episode out. Again, I'd like to continue to record some episodes with Dan. Um, but again, all that is up in the air at this point. I can't promise you when the next episode will be released after this one. Um, another thing that I wanted to say, I've never really, I've never actually said this in a podcast, but many of you know, I'm, I mean, I work as an evangelist, evangelist with ambassadors for Christ. I'm supported by donors who, you know, support me either monthly or, you know, with one-time gifts and stuff like that. So if you ever desire to support me, um, or donate to my ministry, you certainly can. And I would very much appreciate it and could certainly use 
uh, the support right now in the season of life. And so what I will do is I will put a link in the show notes, um, the episode notes for the AFCI giving page. And if if you do decide to give um, and you click on that link, it'll bring you to this page and then you'll, you'll see a tab that says uh, designation tab and you click on that and you'll scroll through it and you'll find my, my name, Samuel Parada. And that's how you can allocate the funds to me. So, um, so again, yeah, I mean, the podcast, uh, my website, and my ministry that I do in general, my preaching ministry and stuff, uh, it's all su- funded by, by supporters. Um, my salary is comes from donations and supporters. So if you f- feel the need or would like to and would do it with a cheerful heart, then I would really much appreciate your donation. So with that being said, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, and, you know, stay stay strong. <laughs> Defend the Bible. Um, we don't have to apologize for what we believe. And, and be biblical. Be biblical. Fear God, not man. Have a great day. Bye.